0: Uh, membership here at FTC like uh, attending and serving and tithing and so to each of you I ask and you'll answer just say yes if you agree to it Uh, Deb Emily Jacob and Caleb do you commit to join with us into the mission of FTC uh, and so as leadership of FTC, we affirm and welcome you as official members of Faith Discovery Church. Based on your confession of faith and your stated desire to join the missionary church, it is our joy to extend fellowship to you. We agree regularly to pray for you, to watch over your spiritual life, and to provide direction as needed in your lives. Would you, would you join me in prayer? God, thank you so much for uh, this church. Uh, 93 years we've been able to serve this community, and I'm excited to have uh, more people up here who are committed to helping us get to the next, maybe 93, all of us, maybe we'll all be here 93 more years. We know that that's probably not true, but we know you'll be here. Unless you return. Uh, and come back to us, we know that you'll still be serving this community. And so help us to prepare the future. Uh, Help us to be the light in, uh, in Washington now as you continue to try to reach this community for your love. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Welcome, guys. Thank you so much. You can give it up. And as you do, stand. I encourage you to stand. Find somebody you haven't talked to before. Say hello to them and congratulate these guys. We'll be back in just a minute or two. Thank you. Congratulations. Thanks so much. Let me turn my mic off so they don't hear.
1: Well, thank you for greeting one another. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for joining us online as well. We have a few announcements to go through. If you are brand new or this is one of your very first weeks, we welcome you here. We hope that you feel welcome and after service, if you'd like to go over to the information center, there is a gift waiting for you. So I hopefully you've greeted someone and you can um, see Pastor Jerry afterwards in, um, in the cafe. Um, a couple things coming up. We're going I'm gonna be talking about the cafe a lot today. Um, there are Operation, um, Christmas Child boxes there if you'd like to prepare one for yourself. Hopefully on the calendar, November 12th, you are going to be here packing boxes with all of us. If also, if you would like to donate, um, to our cost of buying the things for the boxes, that would, that is a welcome gift. You can do that online. You can do that, um, in person. You can just mark it. Operation Christmas Child. Um, so if you would like to donate towards what we've purchased for the boxes over, hopefully over 100 that we'll be sending out, um, that would be wonderful. But otherwise, grab a box if you'd like and join us on the 12th please. Um, In the month of November, you will be seeing a donation bin out in the cafe marked for our food drive for our pantry. Um, We're going to be collecting canned vegetables mostly. Anything is welcome, but that is their um, biggest need. So if you can, through the month of November, bring some canned vegetables with you on a Sunday morning, drop them in the container, um, the food pantry, and those that are served there would be very grateful for those things. Um, Also coming up is baptism. So if you are interested in being baptized, you can see Pastor Jason. um, That will be on November 19th. We will be doing that. So please um, make it a point to do that if you haven't done so already. I forgot when I first got up here, I was supposed to make an announcement about Awana and youth because today youth is meeting here at 2 o'clock. Maybe a corn maze, maybe... laser tag depending on the weather. So prepare for both. And for Owana this evening at four o'clock, it is crazy hat or crazy hair night. So I don't want anyone to forget about that. So plan for that as well um, this afternoon. Okay, as we thank you um, for your giving and the ways that we serve, we have Lexi here, and we are um, so grateful to highlight her and her mission. Um, but overall, that is one of our core values um, of our church, is to be a place that um, honors missionaries, is to be a place that's committed to missions. Um, our church supports missionaries locally in our community, as well as all over the world. So thank you um, as you give, as you think about supporting this place and this community, also the tithes and the offerings that you give here go throughout the world um, to support missions in many, many places. And finally, if we do not have enough special things today, um, today is our Sunday specially for Pastor Appreciation. It was a whole month of—okay, we're already clapping. We're already clapping. Um, it was a whole month um, sort of highlighting as some of the times we need um, reminders to be thankful. I think all of us do. Um, but on behalf of the leadership team, on behalf of the congregation for Pastor Jason and Joy, we are so grateful that you are here. We're grateful for the unique gifts that you bring here, for the ways that you serve, for the ways that you love us. Um, you can't say that you're new anymore. You can't say like, this is like we just showed up and thanks for welcoming us. Like you're here. Um, and we are thankful for that. We're, thank you for, we're thankful for your dedication and your love um there is a place if you've brought a card today out in the cafe um, to put that if there's another way you'd like to express your love and appreciation for jason and joy just because october is almost over doesn't mean that our thankfulness can be over so let's thank them so we've we've done a lot of things today we're grateful for a lot of things so I just want to say, after service, there are donuts and cider in the cafe. Um, And so you have the opportunity to greet our pastor, who vocationally serves here in ministry. You have an opportunity to greet Lexi, who has been called across the globe to serve his kingdom. And you have the opportunity to greet four new members who are part of this congregation, who have made a, a commitment to not only be here but to serve here and to go out into all of the places that we all go and serve our communities. So what a beautiful way to end our service. I hope that you spend some time with us this afternoon and thank and greet all of those people. So on that note, let's continue to stand and worship together.
0: communion together this morning as we do most most weeks this week we're going to do it a little earlier Uh, it's an opportunity for us to do it with our with those of you who are comfortable with your kids participating, it's an opportunity for us to sh- share communion as a family, which we get to do maybe once or twice a year. And so I'm going to invite the elders to come forward. And if you're new with us, this is something we do each week. We simply invite you to come to the aisle closest to you, uh, the center aisle closest to you, come forward and receive the elements from one of our elders, and then take that and bring that back to your uh, seat we'll share together if you're unable to come forward we do have people who can serve you in your chair and if you're not ready to or comfortable receiving communion, even though we invite you to join with us um there's no pressure on that we invite you to do it so as they continue to sing i invite you to come forward and you can sing in line don't worry about the person in front of you or behind you they won't feel uh but you can continue to join us as we were in worship as we come (laughs) Super. <laughs> communion throughout church history has become more and more sacramental and it's become more and more sacred. It's become a very holy portion of any service. It is the invitation, quite frankly, Historically, it is the invitation of inviting Jesus' presence into our midst in a very physical and personal way. I don't mean to undercut any of that with what I'm about to say. Communion at its roots is an invitation to the table. And the table... When we eat together at a table, there is a vulnerability and a willingness to share comfort. When you share food with someone, it's a special moment. Oftentimes, the element of food at a table increases the ability or willingness of people to open up and talk and be vulnerable and share what's really inside. Food has a spiritual element in our lives. I'm not just saying that because I love food. When we come to the table, when Jesus invites us to the table, it's a very practical way that he's saying, all of you is okay with me. I want to share life with you. I want to talk to you about how much I love you. I want to hear what's going on in your life. When you think of the traditional idea of the dinner table, we talk about our day. We talk about our what's going on, what, who was absent at school, or what crazy thing happened. Jesus wants to know all those details. It's not just a too sovereign to be real moment. In fact, it's too real to be sovereign. Jesus wants to know us intimately. And so you don't have to approach the table. You don't have to approach communion with some falsehood that you have to pretend to be uh, more holy than you are. Who you are is exactly who Jesus wants to engage with. And so as we come today, and we remember what happened on that night, which we call the Last Supper, I encourage you to picture yourself with Jesus, who you are, and just be you. And so it says that Jesus broke bread and he took it and he said to his disciples, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. When you eat this, remember me. So I encourage you to take the bread out of the little miniature chalice that you get when you come forward. And I encourage you to think about just sitting at the table, sharing what's going on in your heart with Jesus, because that's the Jesus who Jesus wants you to know cares about you. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you that you love us enough to allow us to be vulnerable, to be real, and that there's nothing that we could say or do that would separate us from your love. You love us so much you're willing to die for us. And so I pray that because you're willing to die for us, we'd be willing to live for you. Be honored by our lives. Would you take the bread with me? Scripture says after supper, he took the cup and he said that this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, remember me. The old covenant had been about performance. God had certain requirements that we had to live up to in terms of our covenant with him. And when we did that, we received his blessing. And Jesus said, I I realize you're not able to do that unto yourself, so I'll take care of it. And now the covenant is, I love you. Love me. Love each other. Share with each other at the table while I'm gone. And so this morning, we celebrate Jesus's work. We remember him and we invite him into our presence, but we obediently come to the table together. We're not alone. You're not alone in this pew or this row or this orange, beautiful carpet. We're together. And we do this together. And we share food together as, a, as an idea of the realness of our lives. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for loving us in the realness of who we are. Help us to love each other just the same. Help us to be gracious. Help us to be merciful. Help us to be loving. Help us to be compassionate. Help us to love the way you love In your name we pray, amen. You can take the drink while we, we're gonna sing this one more time as we close our worship time. They didn't know that, so give them a second to get ready.
2: I'm Pastor Jerry, in case this is your first time here, and I'm really thankful you've chosen to worship with us. (laughs) Kids, you may be dismissed to Children's Church. Thank you, Children's Church leaders. Thank you, worship team, for your excellent ministry this morning. Amen. So grateful that you have chosen to be here with us, really. We are blessed and privileged this morning to... Hear the word of God through one of our very own. It gives me a great fatherly kind of joy and pride to have Lexi here with us. I remarked to one of our elders this morning, it's hard to think of her being a fully mature, grown minister of the gospel in her own right because to me she's still a little girl. But God is using her. She is ordained minister with the assemblies of God. She is an appointed missionary to Colombia. To the deaf, and she's going to tell you more about that in a few moments. So, watch this video and then open your hearts and be blessed this morning by Lexi Bishop as she comes to minister the word.
3: y soy placer de estar con so good morning my name is Lexi or Alexandra Bishop and I am a missionary in the country of Colombia and it is a great honor and pleasure to be here with you all this morning um, as this is my home church it's uh it's very special for me to be here with you guys I grew up in this church I was dedicated in this church baptized here um, and I just really love it and it's it's so cool to be home with you guys this morning um, but I I have been a missionary uh, with the Assemblies of God first as a missionary associate in 2014 I remember receiving in the mail my first um, assignment to Nicaragua and just the excitement and sheer terror uh, of of receiving that in the ma- in the mail and realizing that God's that God was beginning to fulfill that call that he placed on my life when I was just a little kid. Some of you may already know this, but God called me to missions and ministry when I was only 6 years old. I had a Sunday school teacher here at Faith Discovery And one Sunday morning, uh, she taught us about prayer, and she told us that prayer was about communication. Uh, Because I had always thought that prayer was kind of, you know, I was only six years old, I was in the first grade, and I thought that prayer was, you know, a a list, you make a list, you know, it's like Jesus is like Santa Claus, you know. I think that there was a part of my my childlike theology that believed Santa and Jesus were kind of one and the same. You know, and so I had always believed it was like, all right, you make a list. You're like, all right, God, I want a new American Girl doll. I'd like it to snow on Christmas. I would like my birthday to come really quick. You know, all these things that you pray about when you're six years old. But I just remember that morning she told us that prayer was about communication and that God could speak into your heart if you were quiet and you listened and you asked him to. And I remember thinking, I want to try that. So, Later that day, actually that evening after my mom had left the room after she did our prayers with us, um, I remember sitting on my bed and telling God that if he would speak to me, I wanted him to speak to me. And I was going to sit there until he did. And uh, it felt like a really long time that I sat there on my bed. It probably was like 35 seconds, but when you're six years old, time is relative. And I just remember that just as I was starting to get bored, I remember feeling this sense of warmth and this presence in, in my room. And I have to say that that was the first time I remember experiencing the presence of God. And um, I just remember I started to like see these images of myself traveling and I felt this very strong impression that I was going to be a missionary I had no idea what missionaries did um, but I knew I was gonna be one and so when I was done praying I got up I got out of my bed I ran downstairs I found my mom in the kitchen and I was like mom guess what God told me I'm gonna be a missionary and she looked at me while washing the dishes and she's like oh that's great um, you're supposed to be in bed. That's where you're supposed to be. Like, good for you, but uh, go back to bed. And, uh, but ever since that night, I've had this, this desire to be a missionary. I've had this desire to reach people and to serve the Lord in, uh, vocational ministry. And that is actually what led me to, uh, the University of Valley Forge, where I got involved with deaf ministry, uh, where I graduated from, uh, back in the spring of 2014. Um, and I was so excited to be a missionary that I applied to be a missionary before I'd even graduated from college. Uh, and uh, that was, it was, that was the, the level of excitement and passion that I had for that. And I just I, rem- I was so naive and yet so excited. And <laughs> it was just such, a, such a, a really cool time in my life to graduate and to be able to start raising funds. And I actually was able to serve here in the church Um, for about a year uh, as a youth director here and that was super neat too and it really it really helped me to grow in my ministry skills and my public speaking skills and all those things that you need when you itinerate and when you do ministry so I'm very thankful to this church because they have supported me and my faith since I was a little kid all the way into my adulthood so I appreciate that deeply and I appreciate all that you guys have done to 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 put me on the field to entrust me to be your hands and feet there and i just really i really love it and it's really an honor to be able to be a missionary and i remember when i first went to nicaragua uh, i remember serving with my supervisors they had come to nicaragua in the 90s when there wasn't even a school for the deaf in nicaragua and they went there to do church planting and when they got there they realized they couldn't plant a deaf church because most of the deaf were largely illiterate um, because there was no school for them there there were no deaf that had the level of education to be able to be trained to be a pastor Um, and so they opened a school for the deaf and they started working with what God had put in front of them and they continue to pray about starting deaf churches they opened a Bible school for the deaf they just worked tirelessly day and night to make a way for the deaf in the country of Nicaragua and uh, when I arrived there they had been in the country for about 22 years I believe and it was then that they had finally received permission to start their own deaf service and they they took their group of about 20 about 15 to 20 deaf that they interpreted for every Sunday morning and we started having a service for them as apart from the main service and we started doing leadership training with some of the deaf there and within a few months our church had grown from 20 to 30 and as time went on it grew to 40 and to 50 and I would say within the first eight nine months that I was there that church went from about 20 people to 80 people And it was about then that the uh, pastor of the church that we were meeting in came to us and he was like, oh my goodness, you guys have grown so big that we need to get some of you out of here because you're flowing into our children's ministry area and uh, that's just not cool. I know, I'm sure that this this church never has troubles like that, but... (laughs) Some churches some churches don't like it when one ministry starts to invade another ministry's space And so it created this opportunity though for us to actually start a second deaf church And so we took some of our leaders and we sent them uh, To this other location that the pastor of the hearing church that we were meeting in had actually opened the opportunity for us to acquire that location and we started sending our deaf over there and that location quickly grew to be larger than our original location and it's incredible because today um, out of those first two locations there are actually seven deaf churches that were birthed out of that to this day and um, it's incredible because the first two were the only two that were really started by missionary influence and the others were all started by the people that lived in Nicaragua. They are in what we call indigenous self-propagating churches, which basically means that um, the church was not planted by an outside person, but it was planted by the people that lived there. You know, so this church would be an indigenous church, right? Because it was started by someone, Pastor Jerry's father and a a board of people that came together here in the United States to plant this church. So that's the heart of missions, is to create self-propagating ministries, self-propagating churches. Churches that, um, that catch the vision and they begin to multiply, to see that multiplication of your ministry is ultimately what every missionary should be striving for. Uh, that we as a church should be striving for that, that the ministry should be independent eventually of the missionary itself and it should continue to grow beyond them being there. And so I think it is really neat to be able to see that because um, it really, being able to come in at the end of that 20 years, you know, and see the, cumula- like the accumulation of their ministry coming together uh, was really special for me and I think that God put me there on purpose because he knew that I would need to see that because a few years later I felt like God was calling me to the country of Colombia, and I felt like he just continued to lay that on my heart um, and so as I walked forward in that I I was able to have faith for that I believe because I was able to see what God had done with two people who were faithful in what God had called them to do and to see how they had worked tirelessly from nothing into something because in the country of Colombia the Assemblies of God does not have a single um, church for the deaf in a country I mean the city that I live in has um more than twice the entire population of the country of of Nicaragua just in one city but they don't even have one church for the deaf. Um, There is one church that I know of that's a deaf, deaf church, which means the pastor is deaf, the people that run the church are deaf, uh, that's independent, and uh, we partner with them. Uh, Myself and another couple and now another young lady that has come to work with us, we partner with this independent deaf church, um, and we're hoping that they will come into the AG. It's a long process, you know, to get credentials and to be able to do that. Uh, But it is the hope of that pastor that he will be able to do that. So we will see. Um, They may become our first AG deaf church. But uh, in a church that, in in a city that has over 350,000 deaf people, one church for the deaf is probably not enough. You know, that church is an island of Christian community in a sea of darkness. You know, uh, and the deaf, the deaf are a unique people group because they don't all live in one place. You know, they live throughout their country, uh, but they do share. They are considered um, an. Un- they are considered a people group because they have shared cultural values and language, um, and they are what we like to call in the A.G. a U.P.G. A U.P.G. is an unreached people group, which means that less than two percent of the deaf in the world are. Um, reached with the gospel it means that less than two percent of them have a relationship with Jesus Christ and the majority of them live in darkness and that uh, because less than two percent of them have a relationship with Jesus Christ they have been largely overlooked by churches you know they um, only recently have they even been on the AG's radar for reaching because they tend to not be in our churches, right? One of the biggest things that I hear when I try to (laughs) explain to people what it is that I'm trying to do, you know, I come up to them and I'm like, yeah, this is what I'd like to do. You know, this thing you've never heard about with these people you've never heard of, that that you didn't know existed in your community, but they're there. And they'll tell me, oh, but, you know, we only have like maybe one or two of those kind of people in our largest churches, so I'm not sure if you really could have an entire ministry to them. And I always take a step back and I always think, or if it's appropriate, I'll tell them, I'll say, well, uh, I believe you. I believe you only have one or two of them in your largest church. They represent the one or two percent of deaf that are inside the church because 98% of them are not in your church. 98% of them are outside of the church. And they will remain outside of the church until we create a space for them within our churches. And not just a space where they can sit in the corner and be church pew warmers, but a place where they can be an active part of the body of Christ. Because I think of my friend uh, who I met um, a few years ago when I first moved to to Columbia. And her testimony is really cool because it really showed me the value of deaf churches and the need to create a place where they can serve the Lord and become an active part of the ministry she uh, grew up in a family it was her and her sister were deaf and the rest of her family was hearing Um, she was never allowed to learn to sign until she was an adult Uh, she grew up with what was called oralism which is the belief that the deaf should speak um, even though they cannot hear and so she was she grew up very angry very isolated very alone and she got married very young she lived a very uh, crazy lifestyle Um, and her her husband was never faithful to her Um, she she just lived this very broken lifestyle and one day she found out that there was a deaf church in in colombia in bogota and she went to that deaf church Uh, because she was looking for community because it was something she really didn't have you know she was looking for uh, a group of people that were like her a place where she could communicate without a language barrier and so she went into that deaf church and she got saved there and unfortunately her husband has not uh, also received that Uh, salvation but she did and it transformed her entire life because she went in there looking for community but she found this life-giving power and uh, today she's actually a leader in that church and she leads worship and when she gets up and she leads worship in the deaf church you can feel the Holy Spirit's presence there you can feel the presence of God descend in that place and I just think that's so cool because you can see that God he put that call and that desire and that gifting within her, and in that deaf church, that is the only place where you would ever see that calling coming to fruition because within a church that's in her language, she is able to express herself in her own heart language. You know, I think that God, he works through a variety of ways, and I know that there are many ways to do deaf ministry, but deaf churches, I think, are one of the most effective ways to reach the deaf because it, it creates a place where they can really belong, and not just belong but also serve without language barrier because one of the things that I have learned is that every, every place that a deaf person goes that is not a totally deaf area is a cross-cultural experience for them. It's a language barrier that they constantly have to overcome and so when they can come into a place and they can rest in the presence of God and know that everyone around them understands them that is a very special and healing thing because many of the deaf you know they have grown up incredibly isolated Um, you know in in our bigger cities you'll find that the deaf have had opportunity for education many of them but oftentimes even in Colombia, outside of the major cities you'll find that many of the deaf have never even had the opportunity to have a friend never mind a full language experience and I mean I think of when I think of our my the the weight of the responsibility and the need I think of this woman that lives in the coffee region that uh, one of our missionaries on our team met A few years ago and they met her and uh, her sisters actually met her sisters and they were like oh we have one of our sister is like those people that you want to reach and they invited her over and this woman just her struggling to communicate because of her limited signs and uh, the fact that she had never she very rarely leaves the home and she had never actually had a friend outside of her sisters and And that just breaks my heart because she has a soul. You know, it may be only 2% of the deaf that have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but 100% of them have a soul, and they will stand before God someday. And I just feel this burden to reach them. And I know that we can. And I know that we can because um, our God is alive, and our God reaches people, and he heals, and he grows. And I think of my other friend uh, in Nicaragua who... who grew up in a home with 14 siblings as the only deaf person in a house that was about 10 by 12 that has no floor. And I remember going to the coast one time and standing in the frame of this house while he told me what his childhood was like and he told me that his mother she had uh, worked every day of her life until she passed away in a market near the coast trying to provide for her family and that there was, if he was lucky, there was just barely enough for them to survive but he told me that there were always so many people running around just siblings and people and neighbors and friends in this tiny tight-knit community and yet he said that he always felt like he was looking at it through a window Because he'd never had relationship with any of his siblings. He never had relationship with his parents because he had been so isolated and so left alone that he hadn't been able to go to school. And it wasn't until he was in his late teens that he met the missionary couple that I worked with in Nicaragua. And they brought him into their home. He moved in with them and um, he became one of their first graduates of the school that they opened he became one of the first graduates he was in the first graduating class of their Bible school as well and today he reaches the deaf community and he is one of the leaders that works within that community that has been promoting deaf uh, ministry in the country of Nicaragua and I just think his story is so is so cool because I just think it, it really represents the heart of what it is that we as a church and and as a mission are trying to do that we are trying to create a space and opportunity for God to work in people's lives in a way that they will catch that vision and then that they will be able to be supported enough to grow in their faith and their ministry that they can then become those leaders that you that they that they will become a self-propagating church right that they will have that same level of support that I had as a kid because you know it's not enough that God put a call in my life when I was six years old if I hadn't had the support of a church and of a family I don't know that I would have become a missionary you know it's we are not an island right as a church body we are a family and we have to work together right that's something that God just keeps laying on my heart over and over and over again over this last year is that we are a team you know that one it's not the burden of reaching all the deaf is not on me it's on all of us right because god gave the great commission to his church and that we as we work together we can do this because god uses us as a family he uses different people to influence your life uh, when I just think about all the things that God did in my life here in this church what would have happened if I hadn't had that support how would I have grown and that's why my as I go back to Colombia, my my ministry focus has kind of shifted from education into church planting uh, I am actually um, working with another young lady and we're looking to um, start our first deaf church in in Columbia Um, outside of Bogota in a neighboring community. And so if you all can be praying for me for that, because it's a huge, a huge thing to do. And um, it's, but I really believe that it's what God is laying on my heart, because I think that we need more than just We need more than just to spread the gospel we need to create environment where the gospel can thrive you know it's not enough to plant a little seed and then leave it just sitting there you know out in the sunlight like oh there I told somebody about Jesus but it takes more than that right it takes a family of people to surround that to grow that and that's what church is right that is what church should be it should be a family it should be a place where little girls when they're six years old and get a call to to ministry Are supported and loved and can grow in that and I I know that I found that and it's it's largely the reason why I think today I am a missionary you know because of people like Pastor Jerry who filled out 101 different uh, recommendations for me you know Uh, it's because of my parents who continually brought me to church and that's why church is important you know because it's the it's like the little greenhouse of where faith could grow right And so that is what God has been laying on my heart for missions and ministry. Um, Just this idea that we are a team and a body, uh, you know, and that we do have a huge task to reach. You know, I think less than 2% of the deaf are are, are reached. You know, AGWM told me that they believe there are approximately 30 million deaf people in Latin America. That's a big task, Right. But I'm thankful because we do have a team. It's not just me. We have a team now. And um, uh, AGWM actually asked me if I would serve as the team lead for that. And so my... My ministry view has shifted even from Colombia to looking out at all of Latin America and seeing how God might use me to support and to grow deaf ministry and to be able to grow that and see it not just in the country of Colombia but around, Colum- or around Latin America because we actually have six, un- we call them units because you can be single or you can be married, but you're one unit. This is AG math, okay? <laughs> two people equals one one person also equals one so we have six units that work with the deaf now in Latin America and it's really neat to see how we as a church here in the States and and abroad are catching that vision to reach the deaf so it's just super neat and sometimes though when I know that God has a plan to reach I mean how many of you guys know that God has a plan to reach his people right but sometimes that plan can seem very overwhelming (laughs) Right? You know, sometimes we we all know that God has a plan for for reaching the world. But sometimes we're just like, yeah, it's this like giant, ambiguous thing that's out there. You know, the plan of God. It can seem very ambiguous. And yet, we know that God's plans are detailed. And we know that because the basis for our word this morning, I'm going to read a uh, ch- uh passage to you guys that you've probably never read, or maybe you've read it once or twice and were bored out of your mind, and that's okay, because (laughs) I understand that. I used to feel really bored when I read passages like this as well. So I'm going to read out of uh, Exodus chapter 25. I'm going to read verses 31 through 36 to start. Um, If you would like to read along, you can as well, Uh, but I'm just going to read it to you, and then we're going to talk about it. So, It says, in verse 31, this is chapter 25 of Exodus, "...make a lampstand out of pure gold. Hammer out its base and shaft, and make its flower-like cups, buds and blossoms, of one piece with them. Six branches are to extend from the sides of the lampstand, three on one side and three on the other. Three cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms are to be on one branch." Three on the next branch, and the same for all six branches extending from the lampstand. And on the lampstand, there are to be four cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms. One bud shall be under the first pair of the branches extending from the lampstand. The second bud under the second pair, and the third bud under the third pair. Six branches in all. The buds and the branches shall be of one piece with a lampstand hammered out of pure gold. So what is this passage and why am I reading it to you? So this is Moses receiving from God the instructions to build the lampstand that went inside the tabernacle um, in the Old Testament. And why am I reading it to you this morning? It's to show you that God is in the details, right? God because because this is the basis for our word this morning that God is it's not just an ambiguous plan that's out here somewhere somewhere floating in the clouds but that God's plan is incredibly detailed and that is evident throughout scripture that God it's this idea that God is the architect of the universe Um, that that his attention to detail knows no bounds. From the smallest organism to the complexness of the solar system, when you look around, you can see how intricate our world is, right? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes life threatens to overwhelm me. Have you ever felt that way? Like life is going to overwhelm you? Like the size of the task becomes so big that you fall into this fear that you won't measure up that you won't measure up to being uh the parent that you won't measure up to whatever the your job is that you won't measure up to i don't know fill in the blank whatever it is that that god has put in your life for you to do do you ever feel that way and sometimes i go oh gosh i i don't know all the details and i'm a detail-oriented person i love details and um sometimes you know it's hard for me to Have a vision for something that doesn't, that I don't know all the details for. Fear of the unknown is a great fear of mine, you know, and it's, it just, but this verse, you know, when I was reading it, you know, you can sit here. All day long, and you can read commentary after commentary about what each little piece of that lampstand meant, and how they burned olive oil in it, and how it was a representation of of God's presence, and it was the source of light within the tabernacle, and all these details and all these little fine um, sy- like uh, symbols that you can find within this one little passage. And it used to bore me to read that. You know, because who cares about the details of a lampstand? But God did, you know. He took the time to design with intricate detail every part of the tabernacle, you know. And when you read throughout the Bible, you find this, this intricate web of things that God has just woven throughout time and history. And you realize how detail-oriented our God is you know that the same god that gave us this this huge plan also has the 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 brain power to be so focused that he's putting symmetry in in a blossom hammered out of gold on one you know on one of the branches of a Of a lampstand in his tabernacle in the Old Testament, that he wasn't above designing that, that he wanted that his scripture and his people would know that he was there with them and that he was in the details of their lives, right? Because God is in the details of your life. You know, God has a plan for us to reach the world, this big, huge plan, but he also has a plan for you as a person, you know, because God has this unique ability to be both one of those macro thinkers and a mi- and a micro thinker. You know, most people are either detail oriented or they're big picture people. And it's very hard to find someone who is both, right? That tends to be counter, you know, counter, counter working. And that's why God gives all of us um, teams to work in. Because we all have strengths and weaknesses and we need each other. But God, God is whole, <laughs> He does both, which I think is amazing. That he can take a step back and he can look at the whole timeline of history, the future, the present, and the past, and he can still zero in on one little place and design it with the utmost care. And I think that is so neat. And that's why I love Exodus 25, because God is speaking to Moses and he's telling him, how to build the tabernacle but he's also showing him just how detailed he really is that he really is going to be with him you know because if you've ever thought about if god cares so that if god cares so much about a lampstand how much more does he care about you i mean he is in the details of your children's lives of your life of your parents lives of your neighbors lives you know we we learn in matthew 6 right uh that we're reminded that god cares for the needs of the smallest birds you know that he's got a plan for sparrows outside and, you know, in Matthew 6, we're reminded that he has a system to meet their needs so that we don't have to worry, right? That God has a system to meet your needs this morning. You know, and we often, we often look at the more obvious scriptures uh, to be reminded that God has a plan for our lives, right? And that isn't a bad thing. You know, I love that I love when God is obvious. I love when he just plainly writes things out. You know, that's that's great when he does that. You know, if I say Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, how many of you guys have ever bumped into a Hallmark store or maybe graduated from something? If you have, you probably heard this verse. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And I think this is a great verse. And there's a lot more theology and stuff that goes along with that verse. But I love and I, I love the plainness and simpleness of it, right? That God's just like, I have a plan and I have a hope and I have a future for you as a people group, but also you as an individual. And but this morning I'd like to point out that. God's plan for his people is also self-evident throughout his word. That it isn't just in the plain and obvious scriptures, but that it is also in those seemingly mundane passages. You know, that it's, you find evidence for God's attention to detail. You know, when we look at the scriptures, we're reminded that God has a plan and a mission for his people. And it started the moment that we stepped out of relationship with him in the book of Genesis. That every part of the Bible screams this to us. That God has been winding and twisting the details of history, all moving us towards one important purpose. And that is to bring us back into relationship with him, right? That every nation would praise him. That every people would know and declare that he is God. And that his creation would worship him in wholeness again, you know. That is the mission. The mission is salvation and the purpose is praise. Because we were designed to worship God, right? And, but that mission can seem so overwhelming at times and I just Exodus is a reminder that God cares about the details of a lampstand, that he cares about the symbolism, he cares about making sure that his people knew that he was the source of light. That he was the source of of power, you know, that that as that as that olive oil burned in that lampstand continuously day and night, that it served as a reminder that God was with his people both day and night. And that he was in control of all things, right? And when you take a step back and you consider how all the lives recorded in the Bible, from Adam and Eve to Noah to Abraham to Jacob to Ruth, you know, God, they were all tied together with the utmost of care, right? That God... It, it, God gives us this big picture when you when you take a step back and you look at the Bible as a timeline and you can see how involved God was in the individual lives of each person in the Bible but also how he tied all their lives together in this incredible way that he could see all of it and that he cared and that he was in control of every detail both the big things and the small things and I hope that that gives you peace this morning. That 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 God, that you could rest in the peace of knowing that God had a plan for your grandparents, he has a plan for you, he has a plan for your kids, for your grandkids, that he has a plan for your community, but he also has a plan for you. And that he is so big and so great that he can see all of it, you know? Because when you take it, and, and I just, that's why, like, studying the Bible in, in small chunks is great, but looking at the Bible from a whole is also important, because it reminds us that God can do both, and he's giving us this representation of it through his word that we can also see and, and take peace in knowing that God is, is doing that. That no matter what you are going through or facing, aren't you glad that the God who wasn't above designing a lampstand is in control of your life? That he has purposes and plans and things he's prepared just for you. Because he's in your details, because you're worth more to him than a gold lampstand. You know? The same God that gave us the massive task of reaching the world is the same one who has a plan for the tiniest of things. You know, let's, let's talk about Moses for a minute, the man who was receiving the lampstand directions. And I'm sure that most of us have probably heard about Moses. Uh, most of us probably know uh, that he was born into slavery in Egypt during a time when Pharaoh was controlling the population of the Israelites and that he should have been killed at birth. But God had a plan for him and his life, and he put it on the heart of his mother and Pharaoh's daughter to save him and to raise him and to educate him and to give him leadership skills. I mean, when you think about how perfect his, and and the perfect attention to detail, his preparation was for the task that God gave him of bringing the Israelites out of Egypt, I just, it it blows my mind when I think how God, God had a plan before he was even born. He'd set into motion a plan and he put it on the hearts of different people and he had just worked through his life to just grow him, to raise him, and to keep him. In such a perfect way so that he would be prepared for it was for what it was that God had for him because he was one of our first third culture kids that's what we call kids who grow up in two cultures right he grew up with the Egyptian culture but he also grew up uh, with the Hebrew culture because unlike what a lot of our TV shows show today when they talk about um moses he didn't come to a great epiphany when he was in his early 20s and realize he was hebrew i'm sure that he always knew that and so <laughs> but so he was he had both he had both cultural understandings and that is a powerful thing when you want to reach people when you want to work within a system is is to be able to respect and understand the cultural values of both people groups right It's vital to communication. So he was so perfectly designed for what it was that God had called him to be. And yet, like many of us, he still didn't feel like he was up to that task. You know, if we back all the way up into Exodus, into chapter 4, and we look at verse 13, it's during a conversation that Moses had with God during the burning bush when God was calling him was revealing a plan that he'd already had for him before he was even born but he revealed it to him during in chapter 4 about how God had done all these things in his life because he was calling him to lead the Israelites out and to help them to become an independent people group and he was revealing this plan that God had already had for his life and what did Moses say though, as he's standing there in front of this this burning bush, and God is showing him all these miracles, and he's making s- his staff turn into snakes, and he's he's showing him that he's the God of healing, and 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 he's that he has all this power and might, and and uh, Moses is standing there in in verse 13, he's like, um, it says here, it says, but Moses said, this is to the Lord. He goes, uh, pardon your servant, Lord, but please send someone else. Like, even though Moses knew how he had been raised, right, he knew who he was, I'm sure that he could feel that God had something for him, and it had been burning inside of him since he was a kid, I'm sure. When it actually came time for him to commit to that, and God was revealing it to him, he still didn't feel adequate, you know? And I think that that's something that I, we can also learn from, from Exodus is, is that, you know, Moses felt inadequate. It's normal when God puts something in your life to feel like you're not enough. You know, trust me, you know, when I think about how much there is just to do in Colombia, just to plant one deaf church, I, I I begin to see all of my flaws clear as day, you know. And I start to think, oh, how, God, how am I going to do this? How, 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 how? I'm just this one little girl, and nobody takes me seriously. And I talk with this really high voice. And what am I going to do? I can't. And I start to think. And I start to, you know, get really like, uh, if I'm not careful, I can lose my peace very quickly. I don't know if you guys feel that way, but as you start to think about, like, how am I going to be a good parent to these kids? How am I going to do this? And and it's it's easy for us as people just just to feel inadequate, even when we see what it is that God has prepared us for, you know. But then, but then I stop and I remember, I remember the lampstand in the tabernacle. That's one of those anchor things that I, I I've been anchoring in my mind this year. You know, I I remember that lampstand that stands in the tabernacle that represents the presence of God with us and, and the light. And I start to list the men and the women of God throughout the Bible. I list Moses and Esther and Gideon and Paul and countless others. And I remember how God ordered their steps. And I remember that all of them doubted their ability. And I remember that it was not their ability. It was about God's ability to do much with little. You know, that the smallest muster steed of faith will move a mountain because God has the details. We just have to walk in the steps that he is showing us, right? And like Moses, we also have to put ourselves in places where we can hear from God, right? Moses walked to the burning bush, right? When he was in the desert and he saw that bush burning, he probably wishes he walked the other direction. But he didn't right he walked towards the burning bush and he put himself in a place where God could speak to him And even when you see him complaining you see him angry you see God angry at him What does Moses do in all of his human imperfection? He continues to go back into the tent and he sits before the Lord and he goes up to the mountain And he sits before the Lord and he walks to the burning bush and he stands before the Lord And that is a very important thing that we can learn from Moses. It seems really simple But it actually is a lot harder to do than we than than it sounds you know is to put ourselves continually before the Lord so that he can speak to us right you know he didn't run away even though he wanted to you know we we don't we don't we can't run away we need to put ourselves right where God wants us to hear from him on a daily basis you know and secondly secondly this morning uh, there's something else that I think that we can learn from Moses today and about this passage in Exodus chapter 25 And this is in Exodus chapter 25 verse 1 There is another important lesson that can be found in this passage It's here when Moses was before the Lord receiving these directions where he would put himself in a place where he could hear from God The Lord said to Moses It said tell the Israelites. Sorry. This is verse 2 not 1 um Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive an offering for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. See, we can learn something else about the heart of God from Exodus chapter 25. It's here that we discover that when God builds his most holy places, that he wants people to give out of a heart that is prompted and not out of a place of coercion or force. That God doesn't want to take from you. Because sometimes I think the reason that we don't get and put ourselves in a place where we can hear from God, like Moses did, it's because we think God's going to take something from us. You know, if we get if we do sit on our bed and we ask God to speak to us, he might send you to another country. And that's terrifying, right? And that, that well that sometimes that causes us to not want to do that but here we see that God doesn't want to take from people that when he builds his most holy and precious things he he and, and his sanctuary he does it out of the hearts of those who are devoted to him because God could have taxed his people he could have said Moses I need you to go to this tribe and I want this from these people and I want this from that people and there were times when God did things like that but when he went to build his sanctuary when he went to build the place where his presence was going to dwell with his people he wanted to build that out of hearts that were willing to give that were prompted by the Holy Spirit if you want to see God do incredible things in your life you need to let him prompt you to give and then you need to do it whatever it is that God is prompting you to give to do to sacrifice to be um, you need to do that out out of a place of willingness because that's where God's gonna do his most holy and precious and sacred things in your life right and it's 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 out of that willing offering. We have to be willing, you know, because God is moved by the heart of a person and not by the outward appearance. You know, in first Samuel chapter sixteen, verse seven, it says, For the Lord sees not as man sees, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. This idea is throughout Scripture that God is looking for your at your heart this morning. And I hope that you take comfort in knowing that God is looking inward. Sometimes that brings me great comfort, and sometimes that brings me great fear, you know. But it's, it, there is there is a, a comfort in knowing that God can see what is in your heart, and that he knows your most innermost thoughts. Like that idea and that concept is found in so many places throughout the scripture, that God is looking at your heart. He sees what it is that you actually intend and in your most base emotions right because sometimes we don't always say the right thing you think Moses always said the right thing no he did not you know and um, I think that sometimes we we as people we don't always say the right thing we don't always do the right thing but isn't it nice that God can look in your heart and he can see Through all of the human imperfection you can see that willingness to want to serve the Lord like he sees that desire within you this morning and he wants to cultivate it and grow it that he wants to work in your life and in it and he wants to work through you even if you are not perfect because God knows you're not perfect you know because it isn't about being perfect it's about God's ability to do much with little right It was about God's ability to to use anything right he could use a lampstand he can you know and he can use a donkey he can use a person he can use any any space of willingness God can move that's what I have learned that even in the darkest places overseas if there is even a candle of God's Holy Spirit there and his presence God will move right so if there if you can get before the Lord and put yourself there and allow God open your heart and be willing to let his Holy Spirit prompt you he's gonna do incredible things in your family in your life in in your work and in anything that he has put before you in your community like God is gonna make something sacred and holy out of those places as you allow him to prompt you you know my it's, it's, it's out of a place of surrender and desire to be used by him, out of those willing offerings that God built his tabernacle and that he's going to build your life. You know, So as you offer your heart and your mind and your body and your soul to God, he's going to do incredible things. You know, my first, my first point this morning was that God has a detailed plan, right? And secondly, it's that it's okay to feel inadequate because God is the one who will get it done. Right. It's his plan. It's his responsibility because he is he has been in the details of your life and and he has given you the tools to do whatever it is that he's asked you to do. You know that he he has called you, you know, being a a mother, a father, a pastor, a teacher, a missionary. He knows he's given you those things that are that he, he is growing and working within you and lastly he desperately wants his people to give to him freely he wants to build his best places through the willing hearts of his people the prompted hearts that let the holy spirit prompt you to to, to complete the task that he is calling you to that whatever god places in front of you or has placed in front of you that let get before the lord and let him prompt you, because he wants to do incredible things in your life, and he doesn't want to take from you. He wants to give to you, just like the olive oil in that lamp was constantly flowing in, and it was constantly burning. That's what God wants to do. See, God isn't. It you know, God isn't isn't going to take from you. It, Sometimes we think that when God, when God, wa- God wants to take something, we, we, we have this fear of God taking from us, that it's like God has limited resources. You know, if I give up this one thing and I do this thing that God has asked me to do, I'm going to sacrifice all these other things. But it's not like that, because God wants to flow in you and through you. Just like the olive oil in that lampstand could be added and refilled and could continually burn, that is how God's generosity and that is how his heart and his spirit works right? It's not, oh my goodness, if I give this thing up, how in the world am I ever going to, to, to live and to survive? No, God is a God of infinite resource, infinite emotional resource, infinite financial resource, infinite resource for every area of your life, right? And as you, as you allow God to move through you and you give generously, he continues to flow through you instead of creating a stagnancy inside of you right and so whatever it is that god has placed in front of you today even if it doesn't make sense you know remember that god whatever he's prompting or moving in your life even in the most chaotic moments remember that god does see the macro picture as well as the micro picture so he knows what he's doing and you can rest in that that we we only see a part of what we are living in this moment but god sees all of it he saw, he sees the past, the present, and the future of the world and of your life, you know. And as I, as I close this morning, I want to share this last little bit of my story with you guys. You know, uh, when I was six months old, I was first introduced into the deaf community. My aunt married a deaf man who became my uncle. And watching his struggle and later his rejection of faith within churches that did not know how to reach him, is what gave me a burden and a heart for the deaf for my earliest years and I didn't know then that my uncle's struggle represented 98 percent of the deaf in the world I only knew his hurt on a personal level but I remember in 2012 that there was a Colombian deaf man who actually became the first deaf man to graduate from the University of Valley Forge he had been adopted when he was 14 and later went to the university that I went to. And uh, he came, and he told my friend one day, one day he brought me a stack of books about this big, so many books I couldn't even carry them on deaf ministry, and I was just learning to sign, and I really was only doing that because I wanted to be able to communicate with my uncle, and I really had no interest in doing death ministry at the time I just wanted to be a missionary and I wanted to learn to sign cuz it was a fun thing to do and he brings me this whole stack of books like the day before we go on Christmas break my sophomore year and he puts them down on the on the dining room table and he's like these are for you and I was like really how thoughtful of you cuz what did I want in college but more books to read thanks you know great and he's like you need to read these over christmas break in your free time and i was like oh i think it's gonna take like a few years to get through this thank you and uh so he helps me carry them back to my dorm room and while i'm upstairs tucking them all away he's downstairs telling one of my friends that god has put that god told him that i had a call to deaf ministry on my life and um and that someday i was going to go to columbia and work with the deaf where he was from and my first thought when my friend told me that he had that my that this deaf man had told him that was to be like oh um no absolutely not I'm not doing that I'm not moving to Columbia I'm not going to deaf ministry I'm just not doing any of those things no 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 and but as I prayed through it and over the next few years I told God that I was willing to do whatever he wanted and over the next few years God led me into deaf ministry and then into now into Columbia which was crazy because I never sought going to Colombia. In fact, I tried to go the other direction, up into Central America and into Mexico is where I actually wanted to be. And uh, I didn't seek Colombia, but every time I would turn around, somebody would be bringing that to me. And I remember there were three different people I can think of over the last ten years that had come to me and asked me if I was going to go to Colombia when I was done in Nicaragua. And I'd be like, why are you asking me this? Wait, wait, why would that thought even cross your mind? And uh, But over time, I realized that God was actually speaking to me, and I remember the final thing that I did, because I'm very stubborn, and uh, stubbornness is a great quality in a missionary. You know, stubbornness keeps you on the field, but it can also keep you stuck if you're not willing to let God move in your heart. And uh, I remember that i was i was praying i was like all right god if this is really you and this is why all these people keep coming to me and asking me about Colombia, uh then i'm going to go to my area director now areas in in agwm are split up by like so we have a director that's over central america we have a director over the andean area and over the central and southern cone of uh latin america so an area director is my my direct would be my boss And so at the end of my time in Nicaragua, I was like, I'm going to go to him. So he does not over Colombia, because Colombia is South America. I'm going to ask him, if you could put me anywhere, where would you put me? And then if, and I told God, I said, if the very first place he says is Colombia, then I'll really believe you. And uh, I'll move to Colombia. And uh, I went into that meeting about two months later, and I asked him, and I said, all right, uh, if you could you know, it's nearing the end of my first term as, a, as an MA, and I would like to be fully appointed. If you could put me anywhere in the world, where would you put me And without even skipping a beat? He goes, oh, I'd move you to Colombia. And I was like, oh, funny, that's great. And uh, God, <laughs> because I was really nervous to move from, because i had become comfortable in Central America. I had friends there, you know. Colombia is huge, Nicaragua is small. Like, it was, it was a totally... A totally different world and culturally they're vastly different and so i but i was just like wow and so that is that was the final deciding factor and when i put my paperwork into transfer to columbia because i realized that god had always been leading me towards columbia and that it at even from the earliest time back in college 10 years prior he had already put that he already had that seed it had taken me 10 year or you know like all these years to get to the place where I was willing to to accept that but God had had that in in his plan all along and I'm sharing this story with you guys this morning because I want to show you how in my life I can see that God has been working in it for years and how God has a plan for your life, and the things that you're facing today, and the things that he's doing in your life, he's laid the groundwork for years ago. You know, the, the children that you have, and the, or the job opportunity that you have, like, God gave, may have given that to you today, but he always had a plan for that. And that, that is my 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 closing point this morning is that God is in control of your life and that he is in the fine details and he has been since before you were even born. And that God sees all, and as we rest in that, as we seek him, as we put ourselves in a place where you can hear from him, as we surrender to him, he's gonna bring that plan to fruition and he's gonna work in our lives together, you know, as a church and he's gonna reach the world through us, through our communities, through our families, through us, and he's gonna work in us, in our lives, in our families as individuals. Amen. Okay, thank you. If our pastor wants to come. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Being willing to go and be obedient. Some of you this morning, maybe you needed to hear, maybe you're the, the person going to si- Sunday school as a six-year-old, and you're like, you didn't know God wants to talk to you. Or maybe you're ready to sit on, on uh, you're sitting on the bed, and God's giving you this huge, big dream that's totally overwhelming. But he's got details for it. He's got plans for you. And that's it. Th- Thank you so much for sharing uh, your testimony and sharing what's happening. Um, you don't know what impact God's got for what he's doing through you today. I don't know, a couple of years ago, there was a six-year-old girl in Sunday school, probably upstairs, who heard from a Sunday school teacher that God wanted to talk to her. And all these years later, people who don't hear from anyone are hearing from God because of the impact of that morning. So. You don't know what, God, what God's going to do with what he tells you today. Um, thank you so much for being here. If you need prayer this morning, our elders will be, uh, we will have a prayer team up. But we invite you to join us in the cafe for coffee, uh, donuts, cider. And if they didn't make coffee, we'll make it now. So thank you so much. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday.